Hi, and welcome to episode number 40 of The Oral Fix. I am Henry Diaz. I'm Drew Brown. And we're your hosts of The Oral Fix Podcast. We are a weekly social commentary podcast for the gay community. We can be listened to on our blog, www.oralfixpodcast.com. That's www.oralfixpodcast.com. We can also be listened to on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, uh, SoundCloud, uh, Podomatic, and a few other places like Facebook and some other sources you can find on our blog. So, Drew, how are you this week? I'm doing good. How are you? I am doing somewhat better. I've started taking some medication, some like real medication for my allergies. So besides feeling a little loopy and heavy eyelids, the pollen is not really as brutal as it usually is every year. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good news. Yeah. Um, I, I really don't have any other good news for the week. Uh, you know, I have my computer, as you probably know, uh, the new one, which is the HP Pavilion. Um, a little different from the last one I sent back to Sears, but uh, this one is actually um, uh, a little smaller and, you know, a little less features, but it's doing the job. The webcam works, and no, I'm not having any live webcam sex, if you're thinking about that this week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're not interested in that? Um, no, I wasn't thinking about that. <laughs> but thank you for putting it out there. And how are you this week? What's going on? I, Anything new? I'm doing good. Uh, just a lot of stuff. Just been busy. Um, I had some friends in town, so um, just been catching up. That's really it. Okay. All right. So now let's uh, get to our chit for chat for the week um, with our special guest that we had this week is um, Dale Lazarus. Is that how you say his last name? Lazarus. Lazarus. Um, and he is a um, homoerotic um, novelist. Is that, is, that, is that how you would? Well, uh, he's a writer and editor. Writer and editor, yeah. Yeah, and I guess, you know, the, genre, the particular genre he's really tailoring his comic books is for people of novelty. Yeah. So you'll get to hear a lot about Dale and, and how he and, and his work and also um, how he started his um, you know, time. We got to get to know him a little bit as well as and also get to know more about his, uh, his novels. So enjoy. <laughs> Who is this? Chip for chat. Do I know you? Chip for chat. Seriously, if you don't tell me who this is, I'm going to call the police. Better yet, I'm going to hang up on you. Chip for chat. Welcome, everyone. And this is another episode of Chip for Chat for the Oral Fix podcast. This week, we have a... Special Latino guest. Am I yes. saying that right? Are you yes. Latino, Dale? <laughs> yeah, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. <laughs> born and raised in Puerto Rico, homo erotic writer and editor Dale Lazaroff. 
How are you doing, Dale? I'm doing good. I've been busy this morning testing some PDFs and things that I got a new iPad and everything except the software that was supposed to play these files is playing the files. So, uh, so you know, business as usual. <laughs> Would you consider yourself a power user? You know, uh, I guess I, let me put it this way. I really love it as a toy, but if you ask me to, uh, to articulate how things work, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't want to forget uh, my lovely co-host, Drew Brown. Where are you, Drew? Hello. <laughs> there she is. <laughs> she is also with us on this interview. And we're going to team up and do Dale right. Right, Dale? <laughs> uh, I'm uh, I'm already getting undressed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dale. So um, let's start with, you know, we know a little bit already. Let's, let's get in a little more about, you know, who you are as a person before we get into your writing and um, just to let our audience know a little more about yourself as just a gay Latino man and, and, um, you know, what was it like for you growing up in Puerto Rico? And well, 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 you know, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico is an interesting place because it's an island. So all sorts of different things come in that you wouldn't necessarily get if you had, you know, a very dominant culture in a big continent. Uh, like uh, we got comics from Spain, we got comics from Argentina, we got comics from Mexico, from the United States. So, say uh, my understanding of comics has always been uh, pretty international. And my parents were very supportive of, of my reading, uh, so I got to read, you know, any kind of literature that I wanted to, and and I had the uh, uh, the good luck of of being in a in a small town that had pretty decent access to what I needed. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I think that because I was in an, I'm, I was in an Island that had influences from uh, multiple Latin American and American and European uh, cultures. I, I got to say, for example, uh, uh, I saw Dr. Who like two, three years before people in America did because we had it dubbed in Spanish. Hmm. Um, so, so I have a fairly, fairly well-rounded geek culture, if you will. And, and you know, love music and literature and film from from multiple places. And and you know, it's it's a uh, I think I'm lucky that way because I've always um, I've always been able to sort of be able to hold multiple cultural mindsets at the same time without feeling I have to like defend one because it's the eternal truth. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm and that, that sort of helps me have my attitude that you know I what I I, t I do I do things seriously but I don't take it seriously um as in other words like the craft is serious but you know uh, and but it primarily is for fun because you know I'm not doing something for you know a really hard and and harsh reason uh which hopefully shows up in the gay about comics I do um, I collaborate with artists who sort of get that sort of, uh, you know, uh, sensibility. So, so yeah, I, I, uh, it shows up. Uh, so, so, you know, I, I mean, once in a while I'll talk with an illustrator who doesn't have the same mindset of sex is fun, for example, and, uh, and it doesn't work out. But by and large, I'm very lucky. 
Wow. So you, you, you may mention that your parents let you read anything and they were supportive of you reading anything you wanted to. Did that include gay literature and comics? Well, let me put it this way. Uh, I'm 47 years old, so by the time that anything gay came out that I had access to, it was the mid-80s, and I was living in the States already as a college student. So I can't really tell you. I mean, I, I remember when we traveled to Argentina in the mid-70s that there was a lot of hype of, about work with uh, Manuel Puig, who is like one of my favorite writers right now as, an, uh, as a grown-up. But, you know, the, the whole, you know, the sort of mystique of the gay author was sort of floating around, even though I didn't, they didn't quite articulate it that way. And, of course, I wasn't allowed to see any plays or, or uh, because I was like, you know, 10. Uh, but, uh, but certainly the, uh, uh, I, lived, I lived in a fairly small town, fairly bourgeois, uh, middle class town in the western part of the island. But you know we had a we, we had multiple bookstores because we were a college town, uh, and you know I, I mean uh, certainly we we had a uh, we, I had access that was you know considerably extensive, but but by and large uh, I didn't really come in contact with gay culture until I started seeking it out in the late 80s, uh, and at that time you know it still took a little work you had to you had to look for it to find it. Uh, but you know, having already grown up in geek cultures where Star City is part of the part of the expectation that you have to like go to five different stores to to be able to get every comic that you read, that was not a problem for me. Uh, that's one of the things that I think younger generations don't have because it's so easy for them to find everything now. Yeah. Uh, but when I was a kid, you really you had to sort of you had the habit of hunting and gathering and curating and. Because, uh, you know, if you didn't watch out, once the store that you regularly bought comics from didn't get that issue of Superman and you had to go to you had to go to the little shop in the other part of town to see if they had it. I thought you would go to the small town nearby, <laughs> which, you know, had a store that carried carried out comics and, you know, the old circular racks and so on and so forth. But, you know, and all that sort of uh, sort of history, except that perhaps the scarcity has moved. Because, say, for example, uh, when Sticky and Manly came out, there's still a considerable amount of gay bookstores. Uh, when my third book came out, Nightlife, two years ago, most of them were gone. And that, you know, that changed the, uh, like, say, for example, when I go online and people contact me, they just, they know me from my first two books. People who have the third book heard about it online because of the visibility of, you know, and say, for example, Borders carried... Manly, which was huge for us. Wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, uh, but by the time uh, Nightlife came out, Borders was already sort of on its last legs. And now, you know, it's completely gone, practically. If, I think it's gone, isn't it? Yeah, so, so yeah, the, the chain, yeah, the chain that supported my work is completely gone. Most of the gay bookstores are gone. So the scarcity has moved to a different place. So uh, my job now... It used to be that I I used to stay in touch with bookstores and so on and so forth. Now I have to sort of directly talk to the consumer and make them aware of my work, uh, which is a different conversation than uh, than a bookstore. Yeah, it's, you know I remember um, 
getting my my comics from different sources too when I was young, and one of them was in the back of uh, because I couldn't really go outside of my borough, which is Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only place I could really get it from was like two two to three places, and some of the, two of them were like a convenience store, and the other one, my main place. Uh, was a the back of a Pentecostal store where they sold. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get those uh, Christian Archie comics from this uh, They tried to sell me on it, but the son who was you know the son of the owners who had his lo- own little shop thing going on in the back in the back room. Uh, he had X Men, Alpha Flight, you know, web, you know, the Web of Spider Man and Superman, and you know, all these action comic books that weren't very Pentecostal like. <laughs> oh well, you know, uh, now that you mention it, uh, Marvel was really subtly distributed in Puerto Rico when I was growing up. So I'm like a DC guy. I mean, by the time, the time they, that Marvel started showing up regularly, I was already, who are these people? They're like in pain. <laughs> they hate themselves. I don't want to read that. <laughs> It's like, it's like, oh yeah, I'm cool, I'm beautiful, but people hate and fear me. I'm not reading that, you know. Uh, so, so, uh, but you know, that was that was a young me. I mean, by the time I moved to the states and I got access to a comic book store that had, you know, uh, considerably much uh, uh, more adult comics of the first wave of indies, you know, I was ruined. And by the time that I read Alan Moore's uh, Miracle Man, I was ruined for innocence. No, actually, no. I'm pretty still. I'm still pretty. I still love lighthearted, old old style comics, but at that age we're talking about, uh, I just couldn't deal with. I mean, uh, to to uh, to give you an example, I had a neighbor who swapped comics with me. Actually, no, he gave me a box of comics. He didn't swap with me, and among them was the Spider-Man where his girlfriend dies. Oh yeah. And I'm going, I'm not reading this shit. <laughs> Like I've never read a Spider-Man before in my entire life, and the first issue, Gwen falls off the bridge. So, <laughs> so, so that pretty much, you know, tells you how, how like, you know, how, uh, uh, how whimsical and optimistic I like my stuff back then. I mean, I love everything. I really do. The only thing I don't like is when it's done badly. Like when you have phoned-in mutant comics that are business as usual, not interested. But if they're creative and insightful and fun-loving and gorgeous or, you know, distinctive. I'm, I'm engaged. But, but you know, general, uh, miserable superhero stuff, by and large, doesn't work for me unless it's really well done. I grew up with some Archies. Um, I don't know about Drew, but I, I, you know, I was really, I guess my main staple was like the action stuff because, you know, I, I grew up with the animations first on TV. But I also grew up with like reruns of like the old Superman black and white and, and Batman and Robins. And um, so there, there was some, you know, pow, boom, G Wallikers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I have a high tolerance for that. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, in my background, it, it, it's, uh, I don't, uh, I, I don't go, ugh. Uh, as some Marvel fans do. I, I just, I love the camp. We recently had an episode last week where we featured um, uh, gays in anime and, and comics, and this interview just falls in suit. So now tell us um, a little more about, you know, what's, you know, besides these previous good-hearted comic books, I mean, uh, 
in the homoerotic sense, what has really influenced you and influenced the work that you're producing now? Well, uh, you know, clearly the biggest influence would be Thomas Finland. Uh, He did silent gay erotic comics. Uh, If you, I mean, people tend to to see him as a pinup artist, and they will take a page from a comic story and present it as a pinup. But those were sequences of images. And, you know, he's done multiple panels in one page. He doesn't do them as, off in, as often in later books. Uh, but, you know, he's done comics, you know, comic strip style, uh, you know, Sunday style, big multiple panel pieces. Uh, but, you know, but mostly what he's known is, is for the pinups. But, but, you know, he has a huge amount of comics that he's done. And the whole principle of telling a story without dialogue and captions is something I took from him. Also, I'm uh, very much inspired by the silent loops uh, that they used to do for gay porn in the 70s, um, particularly because they hadn't been codified yet in the sort of like, uh, like, you know, you would have two butch guys ex- uh, expressing tenderness, looking like they have fun, uh, having a sense of relatedness. Oh, yeah, like his earlier stuff, right? Yeah, like, you know, like earlier Zia's, uh uh, Zia's uh, uh, film loops and early cult. You see that that they that there's a chemistry between the actors that's more interpersonal, and that's something that that's been from day one in the comics I, I've written, uh, because that's something that you don't see in uh, gay porn very often, um, and and certainly that's part of the turn on that there's a context of relatedness for the sex, and it's it's not necessarily a dating uh, or relationship context, because although certainly uh, we've done that many times in the new book, uh, Good Sports is about a couple. But, you know, that that sort of, you know, collegial, uh, you know, sense of of where guys having fun and this this is, you know, life-affirming and wholesome, et cetera, uh, came from a lot of those early silent uh, gay porn loops that they used to play in cinemas. You know, later on, you know, by the by the early 80s, they started codifying the genres and the expectations the same way that you would look at, say, a Japanese yaoi comic that has very rigid ideas about gender and about behavior. And, you know, the first thing that happens is, is the more aggressive one kiss rapes the younger one who's not sure he likes men or not, you know, it's like, it's, it's like I could write a Yoi having read five of them because they all show the same pattern. Uh, and, but, you know, I mean, within, within the boundaries of, of doing a slice of life relatedness based uh, erotic story, I, I get a lot of mileage in terms of what I can do, the kinds of relationships, the kinds of people, what happens during, around, before, after the sex, and so on and so forth. So, uh, so yeah, if, if you know, and, and I have, and for better or for worse, uh, I'm a fairly artsy, fartsy, pretentious person. So I try to, to you know, make it more, you know, make it really good in its own genre, but still sort of transcend the genre because of the quality of the work. When was the first time that you said that to yourself that you wanted to start writing? for the gay community and, and write in this manner and fashion and, and seek out, actually, people to collaborate with? Well, uh, two separate stories. The, the writing about 
gay themes happened because a guy I was dating asked me if I wrote gay characters. And I said, no, they, you know, I, I, I don't think I have anything to say about gay characters. And he said, well, can you find something to say? And I said, sure. And I started writing gay characters after that because, you know, I was fairly young. I had just come out, so I hadn't really explored it. Now, 10, 15 years later, I had an online friendship with Steve McIsaac, an illustrator and cartoonist. And uh, we'd been friends for a while, and he knew my work. And he asked me to write a gay erotic comic from him. And, of course, I said no, because I'm going, I don't know how to do that. And the day later, I went like, oh, I think I know what I can do. Uh, and so, there, you know, he taught me a lot about uh, storytelling that I didn't know. Uh, because I was struggling in the first script with writing more than two or three lines of dialogue, I decided, well, let's make it silent. And, you know, that's sort of become my specialty as a, uh, as a uh, gay erotic comics writer. Although I have written pieces that have captions and I certainly have written prose uh, with dialogue and poetry and so on and so forth. But for the genre, for both creative reasons, I mean, writing dialogue in a gay erotic context that doesn't sound cheesy, it might be a challenge not worth taking. Uh, and uh, because, you know, we, I'm with a German publisher that distributes internationally, so wordless comics will sell everywhere. Uh, and I imagine because Tom Finland worked with American publications, that might be why he went wordless, too, because he was all the way in Europe, and he was uh, published in Physique Pictorial and so on and so forth. So I imagine that uh, the language barrier issue might have been what inspired the silent comics. Uh, but, you know, I think part of the challenge is to be able to, uh, uh, you know, most of the emotional content in the stories can, you know, shows up through visuals. And uh, I mean, and then there's the issue of, say, for example, do you know anyone who listens to gay, uh, to to looks at gay porn with the volume up? <laughs> um, so, by nature of the market and a challenge not worth taking, and the fact that most people look at porn without the sound, unless, say, you have an actor that sounds really hot and convincing, and improvises, you know fucking dialogue that is extremely hot, unless that's the case, by and large, it's purely visual. So I think... Uh, so you think I've, that gays don't, so you think gays don't like, we don't watch porn for the dialogue, Dale? Are you crazy? <laughs> well, there, there's a gay porn actor whose name eludes me, who just, while he was fucking the shit out of a guy, would say the hottest things. Oh. Some guy from the from the eighties and the early nineties, who name completely escapes me. Well, he did he did a vampire theme porn movie in which certainly had the sound up when he's having sex. Uh, I always have I always have the sound up for Bruno from Cope.
Hey, and welcome back. That was somebody I used to know. Uh, the singers are Kimbra and Gautier. And this was the Kurem's Oh Yes edit. <laughs> As usual, all these sounds, you'll be able to listen to them uh, if you click, well, if you go over to our blog, www.oralfixpodcast.com and look at the show notes, the links to the music will be there waiting for you. All free music. So, uh, in our second half of our interview of Chit for Chat with Dale Lazaroff, we find out more about his upcoming book and his style. Well, let's go back. His upcoming book, Good Sports, and his style and method of visualizing and addressing his storylines, especially for this book which is a very hot book. Did I say hot? Yes, I did. Okay, <laughs> without further ado, Dale Lazaroff. Are all your books uh, published through uh, Bruno and Gmunder? Yeah, Bruno and Gmunder Verlag, they're a German gay art book company. Uh, they're most famous for doing the Spartacus book. Oh yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they started publishing uh, Bound at nice editions of books about a year or two before Sticky came out. Uh, Sticky came out originally as traditional floppy comics through Eros Comics Fanographics. Uh, and uh, for the collection, since Eros didn't want to do one, we went to, to Grunder and they put it out in a beautiful hardcover edition with nice art book binding and nice paper. So we're talking, you know, coffee table porn, basically only much more explicit than, you know, the usual coffee table pouring book. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, they, they're, you know, they're, they're distributed worldwide. And, and uh, one of the great things about it is uh, that I don't have to worry about having, you know, selling to multiple companies, which you can do, which you can do, you know, if you did something with dialogue and captions, because buys English and German, and you could sell the French to one company and the Italian to another and the Spanish to another, so on and so forth. But, you know, not all of those companies have the reach that Wunder does. Uh, certainly, if we've been published by a smaller press, uh, we wouldn't have been in gay bookstores everywhere because so much depends upon uh, the brand that you're associated with. Uh, one of the interesting aspects of my Eros Comics period, as I like to say it, uh, is that a lot of gay men went, Eros Comics, yuck. Because they, they didn't associate uh, that press with quality work, even though they had published Small Favors, which is a lesbian uh, erotic comic that was that's really fantastic. So much that I believe it's being reprinted by a mainstream press now. Um, but, you know, the, the, whole, the whole principle of, of say, what you're, you know, who you're associated with really applies with comics because people are very much, you know, it's like I have a bullet in my heart because I'm a DC fan. Uh, and some people are Marvel zombies. Some people are both, but I wait, primarily wait, wait, am a bullet wait, 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 wait. Marvel zombies? Hey, 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 yeah. hey, you're talking about thinking now. <laughs> and Drew, too. Drew is like a member of Alpha Flight, right, Drew? I'm just teasing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like a, there's no insult for DC, for, for DC fans. Uh, uh, <laughs> 
so when we moved up to Grunder, the entire perception issue like disappeared uh, because people associated Brunner Grunder books with $90 fine art quality uh, photo books, you know, uh, and uh, that made a tremendous influence, although the quality of the work had already been noticed by critics and by certainly folks who picked it up. I didn't, I no longer had that instant brand rejection that I had from uh, people who are already comics buyers. Um, and certainly we were carried by bookstores, which makes, I think, more sense with a readership because we clearly publish for people who are uh, for people who are more than, for more than the habitual buyer of sequential art. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and also we have lots of women readers. And as you know, a lot of comic stores tend to be female and friendly if they carry us at all, because most of them have family friendly issues, as I like to say. Mm. And, you know, bookstores have a long history of carrying porn books. So, you know, there wasn't an issue. Um, so the uh, so yeah, once we moved to Gunder, uh, the the uh, we no longer had the challenge of trying to overcome people's prejudice for a brand. Uh, much like you know that people have a prejudice for self-published work. Uh, you know, if you have a brand that ha- like say for example, uh, uh, just in itself, the idea of a gay comic being of quality is certainly not in the minds of people because by and large people associated gay comics with meat men, which was extremely inconsistent in quality. Um, you know, there were some good artists, some good cover artists, but most of it was just really, really subpar, even for alternative comics of the seventies and eighties. So, uh, so yeah, the, the, uh, you know, having to, uh, to convince people, that what we're doing is of a certain reliable quality uh, hasn't really been a challenge. And also there's been a bit a boom in gay comics of all kinds in the past 10 years or so. So that's also helped. Uh, and as you know, geek culture has taken over. So uh, we don't have to sort of argue the worth of the form. Yeah. And you're, I, I have to say that from, you know, in comparison um, comparing Good Sports, which is your latest that is going to be publicized in a month from now, which is yeah. in April, it's going to be published and available yes. to buy um, on your site and on Amazon. Well, mm-hmm. there's two links actually on your site: one for Amazon and one for the book depository. Depository. Yeah, yes. In comparison to your old uh, work, your this is amazing. Um, I mean, your 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 previous work is hot to begin with, and each illustrator has a, a different style. But from what I was reading, and thank you very much for uh, sending over your books so we can review them. Um, your I I have to say for me at least, uh, speaking for myself, um, this good sports is it's a little it's it's more it's playing on all five well all four senses at least for me, and then. Is leaving the fifth one to guess <laughs> or to imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, 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 you know, part of the evil master plan, as, as I like to call it, is that, you know, uh, different artists bring different readership and bring different expectations. Like uh, Steve McIsaac is very much uh, indie comics from the 80s and 90s. Uh, then you have, uh, uh, and he drew Sticky, my first one. He was the one who asked me to write for him. Then Manly, was written by uh, drawn by Amy Amy Colburn, 
And she brought more women and fans of styles who are like more Disney and manga. Yeah, that. Although she's primarily. Uh huh. Go ahead. That was really interesting that you brought a woman illustrator onto the scene. Well, you know, by, uh, by I mean, the first thing I noticed is women were reviewing us. Uh, I mean, Sticky was reviewed in Bitch magazine. Uh, I mean, if you have a feminist magazine by younger women reviewing gay porn by two gay guys, actually a gay and a bisexual guy, uh, that's clearly people we want to sell to. I mean, I had no idea. <laughs> and this was just at the cusp when, you know, now everybody knows that women like gay porn <laughs> and there are presses that distinctly market to them. And guess what? Uh, back then. Go ahead. And guess what? They they also love gay podcasts because we have a certain certain large percentage on Facebook and on Google Plus that listen to us. And who knows? Maybe even on SoundCloud too, because we get like 500 hits now a day on SoundCloud. <laughs> oh wow, that's excellent. That's excellent. <laughs> uh, okay, but but yeah, that, that's the thing. I, I mean, uh, the readers were there, and I said, you know, there are some incredible women artists doing gay erotic art uh, who know comics, get comics, uh, and, you know, who can do what I'm, what I'm up to. Can, they can use body language and facial expression to tell a story, because if you can't do that, you won't be able to do my scripts. That's basically the bottom line. Uh, if you understand sequential art storytelling and can tell a story with characters, faces, and bodies, we're good. Um, and, uh, you know, she brought in an entire readership who's much more acclimated to Japanese bara comics, which are gay comics by men for men uh, that are drawn in a sort of a manga style, although she's still more Disney dominant. Uh, so those are two people who, two groups of people that came in more when Manly came in. Now, Nightlife, Nightlife is done by Bastian Johnson, which has a very 80s Marvel comic style. Uh, and yes, he brought a completely different, <laughs> completely different set of people and a set of expectations. Uh, well, Steve very much comes off as bear art. Uh, so, uh, uh, and he comes off as sort of like bar manga. And uh, you have characters in uh, Nightlife drawn by Bastion that look very much like a, you know, they're contemporary characters. It doesn't look dated, but the way he draws them is very, very 80s Marvel. And that really works for me, too. Now, uh, now you have, now you have uh, my new one, Good Sports, which the style is much more, you know, kind of classy advertising illustration, slightly stylized, but still fairly realistic. Um, and, uh, uh, and that's going to bring a whole bunch of different readers to it. And hopefully the, the idea is, they come through one door and then they t- they go to the others. Some people will resist, some people will not. But you know, once you get them with one, then they'll very likely try the other books. Oh, oh, okay. No, I'm good so far. Okay. Yeah, you're asking all the right questions. You're taking my questions. <laughs> <laughs> so this this book, good sports, uh, more about the illustrations and the style that that you have brought. Um, to light is actually moving away. I mean, your other your other books, not to berate them because all of them are really hot. And to be honest, they got me a little wet down there. Actually, a lot. That's <laughs> <And laughs> great. In the, in the last couple of months, <laughs> actually, I I have both of them on my phone. Um, and um, 
but good sports it has uh actually has um you know it has this quality of sensuality that the uh, the others don't they they kind of have and it seems like you exposed it more in this book um i don't know if it was so much you know your direction or it was the artist quality uh the illustration of the artist um his name is Alice, Alicio Sloninsky. Yes, Alicio Sloninsky. Yes. Uh, and he, um, I, you know, I, I will, I would like to know a little bit more about, you know, uh, you as a writer, um, or and an editor, and you know, you're, you're basically directing this. This is more like a film to me, and um, and you know, you have the East Indian guy, you know, being submissive. I mean, both of the guys are versatile and. It seems like it's a trend in most of your books that the guys are versatile, that they oh yeah that's the, they yeah. get they get each other off and they pleasure each other and and they're they're really accepting of each other's either masculine and feminine traits. They're not really subjected to to just one role. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Manly's particularly about that. My my uh, my, my second book is talks deals directly with the whole masculinity issue, pun intended, because that's the title. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say that, the, I mean, the nature of the story determine, you know, like generally how I work it in my head is about a third of the book is non-sexual choreography. Uh, and two thirds is the sex, the sex pages. Now, uh, for this story, the challenge, I mean, my challenge is I've never written up until good sports. Although I did, I did try one before, but it was sort of a group book, which is a different story. Uh, so I can do, write a 64-page story about one relationship and uh, using the narrative tools of comics to be able to keep that interesting uh, and have a character-based, in-story base for uh, reason for them to have sex many times in different ways. The, re- the, the sensuality is partly because I have 64 pages to tell the story. Uh, when they have 18 pages for sex, in a 24-page story, uh, I don't have time to dwell unless, you know, there's a particular thing that we're dwelling on as part of the character-based sexuality. But because it's 64 pages and it's one couple, I had the opportunity with Alessia to do a book which we could really dwell on things and slow things down. Um, And say, for example, like, you know, in a 24-page story, I could have one or two pages involving oral sex. Uh, here I dedicate like six, I think. Uh, <laughs> so, and because there's six pages, I have to, in my imagination, write what would justify those six pages. Because it's not just having six pages of them sucking dick. It would be like demonstrating how their sucking dick reveals their relationship. And, you know, their, uh, both their strength and their vulnerability as people and, and their relationship with each other. Um, and, uh, and certainly, certainly the, the, the uh, 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 most of, I would say, 80 to 95% of my stories, I haven't counted the pages, uh, involve versatility of one kind of another. Um, and, you know, there are a couple of stories in which there's no anal sex at all uh, for in-story reasons uh, and for character-based reasons. And in this one, I said, uh, I, when I wrote it, I'm thinking, uh, well, what's going to happen is the story is, uh, the reason why they're having so much sex this day. And uh, the story goes back and forth between the present when they're spending time together having sex in different ways 
going back in time to how they met and going back to the day before, which gave them the reason why they're being so celebratory about sex. Because, you know, I'm decided, okay, I'm going to do a story about sex as sport, which is also about sex as celebration. And uh, hopefully those two qualities come through in the way the sex is represented. Because, uh, yeah, th- there is a sort of, you know, can you top this, pun intended, going on. Uh, but also, you know, there's... Yeah, uh, because the, they're, they're jocks. <laughs> yes, exactly. They're jocks, right? So, so that's the thing. I mean, the thing is, uh, if I was going to write uh, uh, the most cliche gay comic story ever, which is the gay jock story, believe me, there's like hundreds of them online and on paper. Uh, I was going to try to do something different with it because that's just me. I'm pretentious that way. Uh, <laughs> and unique. And, and fact, well, and unique, you know, because the thing is, it's not the genre, it's how you play with it. You yeah, know? you even you uh, even got like Patrick Fillion from Class Comics, like giving you like the utmost compliment and review on this book that, you know, he's like out there in terms of gay erotic action comics. And I mean, when I think of gay comics today, you know, I never heard of you until like last year. And up until then, I only knew of him and and this other guy that you work with, um, Drubskin. Yes, Drubskin. Yeah. And um, I, you know, I, I, you know, your this is your your work is is amazing. It, it, you bring something different, something unique to the scene, and and it's classy, you know. And it moves, you know, your your work you know, just compliment some more and give, flatter you some more. It's, it's really moving away from, you know, uh, a lot of themes that a lot, a lot of the people have, that are familiar to other people that they build on and they try to, you know, I don't want to say rip off, but, you know, you've seen it before. And I've never seen anything like this. And I don't think Drew has either. Right, Drew? No, they're very unique. Well, well, thank you, thank you. I, 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 I glad you appreciate that. But you know, I have a, uh, I, I certainly, you know, the thing is, you got. I, I understand why the repetition occurs. I mean, it is a genre work. It's supposed to hit certain things, you know, and, and in a certain sense, uh, like say, for example, uh, Patrick has a very distinct readership that will buy his stuff. Uh, the books that are least within the expectations are the ones who sell the least for him. Now, my publisher tells, told me that uh, we couldn't do fantasy-based superhero or anything like that uh, or, or, you know, barbarian stuff because, they're, because for them, slice-of-life gay erotic comics, which is what I've done primarily, sell better because, you know, the, the brand fits with that kind of stuff. Uh, so... Uh, so, so within the genre expectations, you're going to expect some sort of consistency because that's you know you, that's uh, that's ordinary, that's normal. There's there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, speaking personally, uh, after seeing the exact same daddy son story in uh, hand jobs, I lost interest. <laughs> it's like, uh, I mean, I mean, when it was new, I was like, holy shit, I can't believe they're doing this. This is so, this is so like. Uh, a taboo breaking and hot at the same time. And I felt bad while looking at it. It's, uh, uh, and, uh, but you know, the, uh, but, this, uh, but eventually I got bored. I'm going, I got it, got it. See that before seeing this. So the thing is, if I were to do a that sound story and it's unlikely, cause it's probably too, it doesn't really fit with, cause imagine 
the whole idea of character-based, uh, relatedness-based comics and having a dad's own story, that would be so fucked up, pardon the expression. Uh, it's like, it, it works better in a sort of heightened, uh, completely stylized emotionally and uh, uh, way. A realistic dad's own story would be really disturbing. In a certain sense, the fakeness of the dad's own story is part of what makes it okay, because no real dad or son would do that. Uh, so, so... No, seriously, it, no, it makes I, sense I agree. emotionally. It, 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 I, but, you know, speaking personally within what I do best, that would just not completely work, so I am not going anywhere near there. However, <laughs> age differential stories are fine. It's like I've had age differential story in Sticky. Uh, Nightlife has one, too, which works really well. And uh, with, with the bouncer and the punk, there's a clear age differential narrative going there. <laughs> but it's completely, completely not in the same kind of, you know, I will teach how to be a man kind of thing. Well, yeah, question. like cause trauma and injury while having sex and, you know, like, like per- perpetuating the, the fact that, you know, in order to fuck, you need to actually ram it all the way in and not be gentle about it and, and break the little poor young buck. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm mean, not saying that there isn't hard fucking in my books. It clearly is, but we're not talking. It's it's not about giving pain. It's about giving pleasure, right. which is a completely different relationship. Uh, and uh, and you know that that's the thing. I mean, the first story in Manly ha- has a cop and a uh, a restroom hanger on. You know, a guy that goes to the restroom sucks cocks, etc. Uh, something happens. I'm not going to spoil that. They end up in in a uh, connecting. And because the 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 uh, the cop is willing to to pleasure the other guy by you know doing the whole uh, dominant cop submissive thing, and it gets flipped, and then it gets flipped again, and it gets flipped again, and it's really delightful how I can play with the kink and have the fun of it without the sort of mean nastiness that you associate with it. It's like you know, uh, uh, which is which you know for me, I don't find rape fun in any sort of narrative. Uh, so, but, you know, if it's role-playing and it turns you on and it's consensual, absolutely I can get it. You understand? Yeah. Uh, so, so that's definitely thing. And certainly, uh, but yeah, my point being is because of the nature of what I'm doing, uh, I have to think of these things. And for better or for worse, I tend to, to be very much I consensuality turns me on. <laughs> uh, and equality and and flipping and all that stuff turns me on. And the whole idea of of uh, gender performance being an act, uh, being a drag, turns me on too. Oh, because um, the whole idea of taking it too seriously is a total turnoff <laughs> for me. It's like I'm going. It's supposed to be fun, you know. It's like dressing up like a cowboy, you know. Uh, if you think it's real then there's, you know, you know, if you are a big city person and you dress up as a cowboy, it's a performance, really. If you don't work with cows, don't take yourself so seriously. <laughs> uh, uh, so, 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 that, so that's, that's part of, you know, what goes into my book. And I think that might be one of the reasons why uh, women dig it, because they get that, you know, that sort of uh, self-seriousness isn't there. Uh, and in fact, Go ahead. You know what I appreciated about um, your last book before Bit Sports was that that uh, you 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 don't 
just stay with one particular cock size. Like you embrace like all different sizes of cocks. And, you know, we, we've had a couple of episodes in the past, uh, Drew and I, uh, and myself, um, we had a, you know, different discussions on, you know, cock sizes and penis sizes and, you know, does size matter? And for us, size does matter, but, you know, if you know how to use it, you know, it, and, and, you know, it looks good and whatever, you know, we're not going to say no to it. And in all rifle sense of, of, you know, just giving you credit here and, and the way that, that you've handled it, um, the themes or, I, I, you know, and not prom- promoting any stereotypes, I think you've done a really good job. I, you know, I, it really turned me on to see that. Like, you know, I've, I've had so many, you know, it's, it's good when I read comics or see anime that really project something real instead of something too fantasy based. And if you're too fantasy based, then you know just 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 keep it there and don't try to be real at the same time. <laughs> Sometimes that's a turn yeah. off. Yeah, well, we know that that's the idea. I mean, clearly finding the right balance between uh, eroticized fantasy and something that could possibly happen is is interesting. I mean, my my. Uh, and I mean, it's it's a particular goal for me as an artist to do exa- erratic exaggeration to turn people on, but not so much that it's not conceivable that it could ha- that it couldn't happen. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think, and, and and that's the thing. I mean, I uh, part of the reason why I I, uh, I do what I do is because I, I like the idea of opening up people's uh, discourse for what's desirable and. Uh, for example, the what I, I have what I call the manly continuum. Uh, that you know, that's within that I'm excited. Uh, but within that is a huge broad swath of body types, and and uh, you know, and 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 behaviors and 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 styles and so on and so forth. <laughs> manly continuum. Uh, <laughs> the manly continuum. That's how I call it. <laughs> Boy, I would love to get lost in that manly continuum. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Well, you know, see, because this is the thing. To have a type limits you, but if you have a continuum, there's so many choices. It's a three-dimensional graph, you know? And do you, do you, um, do you draw from your own experiences or your own personal fantasies, or are they just typically just kind of, just kind of let your mind wander? Uh, yes to all three. Uh, by and large, I write things first, and then they happen to me. Uh, <laughs> and then they happen to you? Yes, uh, but, but, uh, so yeah, there's a, yeah, it's a wishful thinking and then boom, it happens. Uh, okay. uh, so, so, uh, the, the, uh, uh, but yeah, I have drawn from, from personal experience clearly. Uh, and, uh, and obviously from my, my deep knowledge of porn, uh, but, uh, but, but, uh, but, but yeah, the, the, uh, but, but if you ask me, by and large, I write it, and then it happens to me. Uh, it, it's just uh, like, say, for example, uh, and, and this is the thing. Maybe I am transferring to readers what happened to me. Like, I used not to find slightly chubby men attractive. I used not to. I, I was a self-hating bear, as I like to say. But if it weren't for all the bear comics that I started consuming starting in the mid-90s <laughs> and all those images... I ha- I wouldn't have been able to find myself attractive. Mm. Uh, so uh, the manly continuum is not only a representation of 
of broadening the palette of what's desirable, but also sort of uh, creating people a space to find themselves attractive in, uh, which if you went for too much erotic exaggeration, it wouldn't work. Although I, well, although there's a place for that, but within the kind of story we're doing, I think that, that, that it has to be reasonable. Like say, for example, uh, one thing I find interesting is uh, good sports, they ha- it has two jocks, but they're really not bear types. There's one that's hairy, uh, but it's, it's not really what you would call bear, the way that Sticky's bear and the way that Manly's bear. And Nightlife has some bearish characters for sure, but it really isn't that bear. This is the one where I said, okay, if I'm going to do a jock story, that's the most mainstream gay rock comic I can do. And, uh, you know, uh, the idea that, you know, if I'm going to do something with the most stereotypically attractive guys, I'm going to have to find some way to make it really, really compelling for, for both me and the reader, which is why it, there's so much, uh, so many things going on that add layers to the story. You may, you made me want these guys. Like I, they're not my type of guys, but since it's a gay novel and the love was so like easygoing. Yeah. Henry, yeah. Henry, Henry, Henry's quite easy that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Note to listeners: if you're if you're likable, you can have Henry. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not that. Yeah, not it, that doesn't, it doesn't take. It doesn't take. It doesn't take much. <laughs> hush, hush, Drew, darling. <laughs> Everyone, scroll back to episode number thirty-eight or thirty-seven where you know that Drew is a mess. <laughs> He goes home. Right. He goes home with Mr. Pinga. <laughs> you, should yeah, little, you should put a little. You should put a little there. Do you, but you, you mentioned, um, you know, your, you know, you wouldn't have been able to uh, like yourself. So do you feel obligated to kind of draw, kind of not, um, not do stories that are like typical kind of gay stereotypes or? Well, see, this is the thing. I mean, the way I say it is, is that my comics are liked by bears and they're bear adjacent, but okay. uh, uh, but they're not necessarily marketed that way, and that's my publisher's idea because they think they at the time when we started with them, they said bear market is too small. Uh, I think the conversation's changed because they've published a couple of bear books in the past few years, for better or for worse, it's gone mainstream. Uh, like it's perfectly acceptable to find a bear attractive nowadays, which is great. Good for me. Good for all bears. Uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, you're but, not uh, that bad looking either. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you. Actually, he, you actually get... everyone, he's very attractive. Oh, oh, I'm just a little bear, you know, I'm a little daddy there, you know, within my genre, I'm okay. But, uh, but, you know, the, uh, I, I just, you know, it, on purely pictorial terms, I am not a pinup, uh, <laughs> But in any event, the 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 the. Uh, but your mind is. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. All my all my bro- boyfriends have been brains queens. That certainly <laughs> is a stereotype. If they like smart, overeducated, uh, multi-level geeky guys, you know, I'm like they're like you know, uh, they're hot for me. That's that's a done deal. Uh, yeah. I, and and you know, and I'm not necessarily a snob or anything like that. Because clearly, I like both popular culture and high art. But uh, but yeah, there's a certain kind of uh, uh, to go back to the bear thing is is it's bear inclusive or bear adjacent, but it's not exclusive to people who are outside of that world. Uh, and I certainly I would be loath to pursue 
any sort of limiting aesthetic. That's what another way the bear continuum, sorry, the manly continuum works for me because it's, it's non-exclusive. Uh, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have a club bouncer in front saying you, you're put in, you're, you don't. So, so that's, so I, I guess the answer is yes, bears are there, but no, it's not bear identified. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, how deep do you go in your research? Like, do you bring psychologists or sex therapists or sex know-it-alls into your research in order to help you to convey certain sexual themes? Uh, well, you know, it's I don't I don't have I don't have a think tank. Okay. Uh, I, I perhaps in the future, if I if I do become become uh, able to have something like that, I would. The reason I doubt it. But go ahead. The reason why I ask is because you know, in good sports and also in uh, nightlife, it seems almost like there is a a theme. You know, besides your own experience and trying to convey, you know, sensuality and you know this even plane of natural and sensual sex um, between men, there is. To me, almost a tone of uh, safety, also like, and um, I. But you know, you're saying that you don't have a think tank and and you don't really go to any experts like that. So I think you're doing you know a great job. I mean, well, thank you. I mean, a lot of it is my personality. Uh, uh, the, the believe me, I thought long and hard, pardon the expression, about uh, oh. having the guys without condoms in good sports. Because uh, uh, I never, all my books have been primarily with condoms, you know, almost like 98% until this book. And I thought the fact that they are pretty much a couple from when they're young, uh, and there's no implication of and them having interest in anybody else, justified it for me. And you know, I mean, not that I can, ju- I need that 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 uh, uh, that bareback porn needs to be justified in one way or another. I would say certainly the issue of safety for the actors makes it a problem for me. And certainly, uh, I think most of those would be smart enough to know that that's in the realm of fantasy and you don't mess around with that unless, you know, you have hardcore documentation, as I like to say. Uh, but, you know, in the terms of, of uh, good sports, the guys went uh, rubber-free because I felt that the story would make sense that since they would be each other's first, uh, and I showed the first time that they had sex as part of the uh, the the, the uh, as one of the flashbacks. You will get a sense that uh, that that you know they'd be safe. I got that uh, that message and that overall feeling that these guys have been together for a long time, and I really didn't mind a bareback. Um, in most cases, when I watch porn, when there's bareback scenes, I'm like, okay. You know, let me just skip this part. Or if the guys are really hot, then I really don't really mind it. But in the back of my mind, I know it's not safe. Uh, but um, you know, I'm really happy that you know. I know from your previous comics, you know, you use condoms, and for this story, it was you know, I could totally see that these guys have been monogamous, and you don't really get any implications of anything else that's come in between. And it, it's just, I, did, I didn't mind it at all. I, I, it was purely hot. <laughs> well, well, it really, believe me, hearing that from you really causes me a great deal of relief. Because I don't know if you noticed, there was a, some tension underneath what I said, because I, I, I'm a little scared and uncertain. Because I do want people to respond well to my work. Uh, 
I, I for you know, for better or for worse, I honestly care about people's relationship to the material, uh, even though it's filth. Uh, and I want, and, and if you're telling me that you felt the way that I wanted the reader to feel, just makes me breathe a sigh of relief. I swear to you, I'm like experiencing this tremendous rush of nice, happy chemicals right now. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, did you mind the, the barebacking scene? Uh, not at all. I mean, I think you, I think you had on the, the point. I mean, I think it was more about the relationship between the two characters. So it just kind of seemed, and I think you can kind of tell, even though there's you know, no words, I think you can see the difference between like launch and kind of like sensuality and, and then an experience between two people that are, that are different. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't, I didn't get the, the kind of, you know, um, uh, I mean, it is very sexual, but I didn't get the kind of like dirty sex kind of element. So I didn't mind it either. I mean, it's a fine line. I mean, uh, I think, I, I think there is raunch, and 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 there's raunch that has a context that is problematic for me. You know, and certainly, uh, if it were, uh, if it showed people who just met. I would have a problem with it. So we're at our top of the hour, and um, you know, I, I we're very happy, uh, right, Drew, to have you on the show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing um, and and joining our show and giving our you know listeners some insight. Well, thank you. I love being on, and I, you know, believe me, I can talk shop for hours uh, <laughs> not because it's about me but because i find it so fascinating by itself me too i mean we, we would love to have you back you know for you know for, for any of the other books that you know if you want to come back on our show we would love to talk about more about gruff and fast friend and nightlife too and peacock punks <laughs> oh well uh, well it's a date oh <laughs> hey can you just can you just remind everyone where they can find your work again? Well, uh, they can How go to uh, uh, my books are sold through Amazon. Uh, Book Depository, TLA Gay is also a very good place. And in fact, Sticky is out of print except at TLA Gay because they still have copies. So if you are a fan of Steve McIsaac's art, that's my first book. You can get that at TLA. It's sold out everywhere else unless you're willing to pay like 100 bucks for it because <laughs> now, now it's a collectible. Because it's out of print. It should be because and, the eroticism there is pretty intense. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, believe me. I mean, it was the one that started it all, and certainly it was a hard act to follow. Uh, and and so what I what to, in order to follow it, I had to to expand the boundaries of what I did. But you know, uh, I'm not putting it down. What I'm doing, what I'm saying is that it started me at such a high place that you know, I I had to think about how do I how do I go from here. Um, which is why the later books have a more specific theme. Nightlife is set at night, and it's all, all about nightlife, the gay men interacting with them. That environment, manly, is about masculinity. And good sports is about, you know, sex is sport and being a good sport. May I add another thing about one of your other books? <laughs> manly, it's so hot also because it has like this like animation quality to it, like Disney almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, that's by design. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Captain John Smith. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Pocahontas over here is like drooling over your blonde beard. 
Yeah, well, well, you know, it's it's. I, I, th- I think the cartoony style definitely works. I would love to have that one hardcover on top of my coffee table. <laughs> oh yes, well, if you best advertising for my work is my books on your coffee table, <laughs> and and on digital devices, it, it you you can re- read it on a tablet, right? Like you're you're reading it on your iPad, iPad well, third generation HD, right? No, because uh, Sticky, okay, Manly and Nightlife and Good Sports, uh, the right digital rights for them are not available at the moment. Sticky's going to come out as a digital comic starting in June. Uh, but if for the book books, uh, you can get Manly, Nightlife, and now Good Sports starting in the summer in June. Through my website, I'll be selling digital comics. But that not dis- that discourage you from getting the books because the books are really gorgeous, beautiful hardcovers, fine art paper, and very well-priced compared to a Marvel hardcover, as I like to say. Oh, yeah. Bruno and Gamunder, they have excellent, excellent quality publishing. Dale, promotional things you want to leave us off with? I I, I guess the best way to follow you really is through your website, Facebook, and and Google+, right? Correct. I mean, Google+, uh, Google+, is sort of less busy than it used to be. Uh, Facebook is where I'm most active, I also have a fan page on Facebook where you have samples that are Facebook-appropriate all in one place. Uh, my website, DaleLazov.com, has not-safe-for-work samples from all the books. So uh, if you want to see the guys from Good Sports sucking each other's balls, that page is on DaleLazov.com. Uh, <laughs> well, we're looking forward to it in all copies. And, and then once it's in digital, I, I'm... I'm I'm sure I'm going to be carrying several copies on my phone. <laughs> well, believe me, I, I tested it. I mean, I got this new iPad because I had no excuse now to not get one. Because I read them, I read digital comics on my computer, but since I'm publishing now, and starting in June at DaleLazov.com, I didn't have an excuse, and they look really good. And that software I was talking about is, is they're going to be PDFs that can play in any device, any computer, multiple programs, open PDFs. The only program that has a problem opening the comics is the pro, the actual uh, ad, uh, Adobe PDF program. Yeah. That's the only one that isn't opening it. Well, so, actually, I mean, if you if you actually drag and drop it to your uh, web browser, it will open up. I did that. I had a, a tough time with my Acrobat X. Really? Oh, yeah. The Acrobat, yeah, Acrobat is, is a pain in the ass. I, uh, but, it, but, you know, comic book programs open it. Uh, Kindle program on my iPad opens the comics beautifully. Uh, it's just that I, I installed the, uh, 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 you know, that program you mentioned for my iPad today, and it's just say it's just not working for some reason. Uh, even though it is, it was done in that particular program. Hmm. Uh, so I don't know why it works fine on my computer, but not on my iPad. But you know, that's 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 always been a problem with with Adobe is is that it, it tends to not play well. It tends to be what's the word uh, difficult. Like maybe it's just a setting I need to change, and I haven't discovered it yet. That's how I felt when I tried to open in Adobe. I was like, "Damn you, Adobe!" Hurting <laughs> my hard-on experience. Yes, yeah, you, you, you blocker, Adobe. Yeah. Well, Dale, thank you very much for for taking your time and coming on to our show. Oh, my pleasure. I love love doing podcasts. So we'll be in touch, and we'll put all your links on our show notes. And I'm sure everyone else is going to be 
wet in their pants when they hear this episode. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not responsible to damage them to underwear. You, you, I will not buy replacements. <laughs> Take care and, and best of everything uh, on all your adventures from now on. Thank you. You too. Keep up the great work, Dale. Thank you. That was Bizarre Love Triangle, the extended Bizarre Dub by New Quarter, and that's the remix by Tootsie. And, and now we are coming to our end of the, our podcast. We want to give a big thanks to Dale and for coming on to our show and to um, talking about his work. And we'll have all of his information in our show notes. So we're now coming to the end. So if we would love to hear from you, so please feel free to, you can email us at allfixpodcasts at gmail.com or you can give us a call at 646-504-3491. You can also follow us on Twitter at allfixpodcasts as well as we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash theoralfixpodcasts. And you, we, we sometimes we post a lot of things that are different on our um, through Twitter and Facebook that we don't necessarily post on our blog. So you get kind of bonus stuff that way. So you can definitely like our page and follow us on Twitter. And that is that. Do you have any farewells? Uh. No, just a real big thank you to Mr. Uh, Lazaroff, Dale Lazaroff. And um, and that's really about it. I mean, I could comment on a lot of things, but this podcast was very lengthy this week. So, um, and it was, I think it was very hot and erotic and exciting. And that's how I like my podcast. So uh, keep listening, everyone. Uh, oh, yes, special announcement. I am working on uh, releasing right after this podcast the 100 thank you uh podcast edition for those of you who helped us break a hundred thousand views last week on our blog so stay tuned and have okay. a good week <laughs> have a great week and thank you dale and we'll see you next week yeah and ending uh we have uh music by uh, Dana Boy and the uh, song is Call to Be by Teen Days and that's, this is one of their um, remix songs